Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is Gayish. The podcast that turned out to be dead the whole time. <laughs> it's like the twist ending. Yep. <laughs> but like so trite by now that it's just dumb. Yeah. Spoiler alert. In the sixth sense, the little boy was seeing a dead person the whole time. I thought you were going to say the little boy was dead. <laughs> the little boy was dead? No. Oh. He got real fat. Oh, did he? Haley Joel Osment. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, when you have money and you can buy all the Reese's Pieces you want. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. And we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And factuality. <laughs> um, yeah, so today we're going to talk about balls. We are going to talk about balls. Or ball. I thought about that. We're going to, we don't want to be uh, judgmental of our, of any no or one bald individuals or three bald. I, when I was doing research for this. Mm-hmm. Someone mentioned there was a porn out there with someone with three balls. Were people real nice to him? <laughs> like, just like double dick well, dude? They, well, it, someone just <laughs> mentioned and linked to the porn, which I got I got uncomfortable. Like, I couldn't click on it. I was too Do nervous. Do you want me to watch it for you? I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I will watch it for you. Here, here. Uh-huh. I will watch that porn if you look at Dan's ball. Is he okay? So we we have uh, a guest star, Dan Patzer, on who is your uh, was your best man at your gay wedding mm-hmm. and uh, friend from your fraternity from college. My little bro at the fraternity. My little bro. Yeah, yeah. And and he has one ball. That's right. We've mentioned that before, but for any new listeners, he's a one ball Dan. One ball Dan. Um, is he okay with showing me his ball? Like you didn't. Did you ask him about that? Do I want... Do, I don't... I'm asking myself, do I want that? Like, yeah. you said Dan showed lots of people his ball... Slash balls. Yeah. So, so in college, everyone saw Dan's balls way too much. They Was were that... all over the place. In fact, it might be why he has cancer. I'll ask him. <laughs> and uh, he would do dick tricks all the time. What? I mean, they're really ball tricks, but dick tricks. Like What? Like what there's the, the there's flies eyes and the Statue of Liberty and I don't the know, hamburger. I don't know what any of these are. <laughs> so I don't know if he's handicapped now because he only has one ball. Handy capable. Handy capable. Handy capable. <laughs> I mean, he's just capable of new and different things now that he has one. Oh, like he's like if yeah. he could do the Statue of Liberty before, now he can do the uh the the Statue of Venus. So Statue of... <laughs> yes. Well, Statue of Liberty, to, like, I think I think this will be clear to listeners. You 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 tuck your dick and balls behind your legs and close your legs so that all is visible is your pubic hair. Pull your pants down and then hold your hands up like you are holding a torch and a book. And that's the Statue of Liberty. Like Ryan Reynolds in that movie where he tucked it and stood in front of the mirror was that van wilder no because i've done extensive (laughs) glue googling trying to find this it was in some other movie that now i forget the name of it but it was not Mm. okay then (laughs) um dan's balls dan's balls oh dan's ball so ball yeah so the thing is um uh he had uh testicular cancer and as part of that he had an archaeotomy which is 
fancy word for ball removal. Oh, I thought that was like killing a whale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what my favorite sex move is? It's the, the dolphin. Or, the dolphin? It's when you give someone surprise anal and they're like, eee! <laughs> <laughs> and then you ride them. Like you, you, you put your arms around them and they can't escape. <laughs> yep. Yep. Great. Uh, yeah. Uh, so before Dan is straight. Oh, this is our second gay straight exchange nope. program. Nope. No? This is our second straight exchange program. Thank you. Uh, we didn't say that before. Yes, Dan is straight. Married to a lady. Married to a lady. They have three kids. Dan was willing to show his genitalia to anyone and everyone when we were in college. Don't know since the cancer and hmm. the ball removal if that's still the case. But I have beer. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can talk him into anything. <laughs> anything? Okay. No. <laughs> yeah. Where's this episode going? <laughs> So TBD on the, on, what, you don't, do you not want to see his ball? You keep saying show it to me. Right. So there, I don't know when the right time to talk about this is. And I think that one of the things that makes this episode gay-ish is I think that since coming out, I am afraid of other men's genitals in a non-sexual way. Because I'm afraid that any interest or discussion that I have will be perceived as unwanted homoeroticism or homophobia. So even though the medical curious curious part of my brain is like, I want to see Dan's one remaining gi- giant <laughs> ball. Apparently it gets bigger. Did you know it gets bigger? No. When you lose a ball, the other one gets bigger to compensate. Is that like when you lose one sense, the other, like the daredevil effect? Yeah, it's the daredevil effect for balls. I had no idea. But, but so, I like the medical curious person in me desperately wants to see Dan's giant remaining ball. <laughs> and I could never ad- admit that or ask him that or like... Uh, it just feels like a barrier to me of some kind. And it's definitely because I'm gay. There's this dynamic between people you knew before you came out as gay where I, like I, I came out to my roommate and it was, we had already, we had just signed a, uh, a lease for the next place we were going to live. And I was like, Hey, I'm sorry I'm telling you now, but I'm gay. And then I was worried, like, you oh, got to tell he... after the lease was signed. It, what, like, <laughs> like if he wanted yeah, to pull I... out, not in a sexy way. <laughs> yeah, I felt like a, I felt like a dick for doing that. It yeah, was a, no. not a, also not in a sexual way. And I was so worried that, like, did I trick him? It was the timing. The timing just worked out that that's when I came out to him. So I didn't plan, you know, I wasn't devious and planning it to be that way, but that's just how it worked out. And then I was worried, oh my God, are you going to think that I planned that scenario stuck with me? And I was like, I get if you don't want to lift me. And like, it ended up, he was, he was like, I got all nervous and I was like, oh, I have to tell you something. And then I told him and he was like, oh, I thought it was going to be something big. Like you didn't want to live with me anymore. Like he, he was totally cool with it. It ended up being Awesome. But yeah, I think there's always this fear of when you come out to someone like, oh God, will this change our friendship? Or will you be looking back on all the things we used to do and now think that I was 
you know, waiting for you to come out of the shower and you walked around in a towel. And so I completely get that fear. And I think that's a common fear people have after they come out. Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, there's a, there's a corollary there too, that I've experienced a lot, which was, uh, after I came out, people would say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I say the word cocksucker all the time. <laughs> Is that like, like, like they've retroactively been offending me for the last 15 <laughs> years that we knew each other. You know what? Uh, Dan is my savior in so many ways. He was the very first person that I told that I was gay. He's like a half hour to 45 minutes away. So that's just far enough that it's really inconvenient to see each other. And so I miss him and I trust him, even though our relationship has sort of changed in the last few years. And I imagine him having three kids, like, yeah. that has to change things. Yeah, quick aside, pro tip, kids take up a lot of time. Don't have kids. That's my... <laughs> t- I, well, I, maybe I won't say that to Dan. It'll but... make all of your friends go away. <laughs> uh, uh, but what I, what I was getting to is just that uh, he, of uh, anyone that I know, and not just because we're close, is... Over the gay thing does not even register with him. He is an open book. He's an oversharer, actually. Uh, we could talk to him about you name it. It'll be fine. Well, I'm looking forward to having him here. Um, I assume this will be the first of many episodes we have about health and gay health. So I will introduce... And, and balls, for that matter. And balls. Do you think this is balls part one? <laughs> Dana Strait, I want to ask him about balls and cancer. <laughs> to, we are so... De- this podcast is just a beacon of joy. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're going to talk about balls and cancer. Just wait um, for the AIDS episode, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did want to talk about... There are some um, like really interesting gay-specific statistics that I want to talk to you about uh, in Cancer Magazine. Wait, there's a cancer <laughs> magazine. <laughs> if you think you can't—that's the funniest thing ever. Can, no, it's not. You can't laugh so heartily at that. That's <laughs> fucking hilarious. It's. <laughs> oh no! How much a month is it? How much does it oh, cost to get uh, cancer? <laughs> um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, people with cancer. <laughs> uh, so, in Cancer Magazine, um, in 2011, there's a big uh, report that uh, I found that um, gay men have almost two times the odds of reporting uh, a cancer diagnosis compared to straight men. Reporting. Yeah, it was self-reported data. I mean, all of this goes back to, like, we have minimal data on how, like, certain things slice up based on the gay lesbian population. So it's like, it, it's always, every time I do research, it's always like every research study I find says there's minimal data on this thing. Like, which just goes to show in general, every data, when we do the U S census, it's not going to happen, but it should happen that everything gets sliced up by gay, lesbian, trans, like we need more data on it. So, you know, the data you find you like what's available that that's all we have. So this was a like they aggregated uh, three different years of self-reported data in uh, out of California, 
And what they found when they took all that data together is that gay men self-reported two times the amount of cancer diagnoses than uh, straight men. Is it all butt cancer? They didn't say, they didn't say, but like, we're going to go ahead and guess that. Yep. But or throat cancer. (laughs) Do you think people are just jizzing cancer everywhere? Well, I I know that like HPV, the the human papillomavirus is one of the main causes of cancer and Mm -hmm. that a lot of times it's missed in men because doctors are stupid and Mm -hmm. don't think to look down the throat where the dicks go or up the ass where the dicks go. And so they're, they're like, nope, you are fine. And don't even screen for it. You're totally right. Not every doctor knows to check that. And, you know, gay men often fear talking about their sexuality with their doctor because they don't know how they'll react. Or they, you know, more often than straight people avoid those regular checkups because they don't know, you know, how their doctor, just like you're afraid in any (laughs) social interaction, like how is any given person going to react to me being gay? So I think it results in gay men getting less appropriate or needed uh, uh, medical treatment than they should, which not only results in things like, oh, the doctor didn't know to check my butthole for cancer, but also just general cancer because people don't go and get their normal checkups because they avoid them because they're worried about them, Yeah, which sucks. Um, So, you know, if, if your doctor doesn't know that if you're gay and having anal sex to do a pap smear. Yeah. That's a good, to me, that feels like a good litmus test for find another doctor. Yeah. The other one is, uh, uh, Gardasil. Gardasil, which has, uh, been approved by the FDA to stop, uh, different strains of HPV, especially those that cause cancer was only approved for women, uh, under a certain age for a really long time. And just in the last couple of years has been approved for the use for use in men, specifically targeting gay men for, for, for these reasons. And Gardasil is a vaccination, yeah. a shot that you get three shots of to help prevent HPV. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Um, you are illustrating why everyone wants to, seems to want to go to the doctor that's the like 65 year old jovial silver haired white guy <laughs> with the stethoscope around his neck. Not me, man. Fuck that. <laughs> I want the teeny tiniest youngest Asian girl to be my doctor <laughs> that I can find because my experience with younger doctors, they ask questions. They're interested in having you feel heard at the very least. I've had them be willing to say, hold on, let me look that up. And then they get on the computer and look it up. And to me, that inspires confidence. Confidence doesn't. My uh, my doctor is a middle-aged woman and she knows what the STD st- STI uh, uh, stats are like, she's like, well, chlamydia is on the rise. How's your dick doing? Like, I mean, she doesn't <laughs> say that specifically, but like, you know, she knows all these stats. She knows what's going on in the gay community and she <clears throat> knows those things that we have to watch out for. And that's what I love about her. Yeah. Well, uh, it turns out Dan is here. All right. So uh, we'll take a little break. Yeah. And when we come back, we'll be here with Dan. Sounds great. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. <laughs> We're back. We're back. We're here with Dan. We're back. Yeah, yeah you can <laughs> say that too. Okay. Uh, welcome, Dan. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Dan, you work in the medical profession. What yeah. is your title? I'm a physician assistant, but 
I specialize in orthopedics and more specifically hand surgery. So I know nothing about what you're going to talk about. So we're going to talk about balls, but you know about yeah. hands. I know about balls too. You know about balls, but, but you're, I, I you're know medical. a lot about hands. Great. I, I know a lot about both. Um, how, tell me about how you know Mike. Mike and I met in college. He was part of a fraternity called Sigma Phi Epsilon. I went to the house really at the end of my senior year to check it out. And Mike and I being complete opposites actually hit it off right off the bat. It was, oh. it was extraordinarily odd and I can't explain it to this day. <laughs> it's true. Um, they gave me a bid, which for all you GDIs out there means um, that they asked me to join the fraternity. And I joined. And then once I was in, our relationship just kind of kept going. And he became my big brother in the fraternity. And we've known each other ever since. And we've been through some ups and downs and lefts and rights. And so we, GDI? GDI stands for goddamn independent, which means a non-fraternity member. Ooh, me? Yes. Uh, fraternity? <laughs> Ooh. Fraternity. Try this. Drink, drink again. Hold on. I'll try again. Hold on. Oh my God, Kyle! If we could invent a cocktail called the Frattini, you would drink nothing else. How much <laughs> sperm is involved in the Frattini? <laughs> if it's so much straight guy sperm, well, it's got a little roofie, <laughs> a little sperm, a little sperm, a little vodka, yeah, and a little armpit sweat. But it's okay. Ooh, yeah. like just like, like bro worker now. Yeah. Armpit sweat. Yeah. Oh God, I would, I would syringe that and into it, my ass. It, it'll, fine. it'll make you feel dirty, but so good all the same. Time. <laughs> so Dan and I, I are fraternity brothers. You asked why? How we know each other? Um, I hear you showed your balls to people. <laughs> Let's get to the good stuff. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. For two oh, okay. reasons. One, I don't have plural balls. Yeah, we'll get that's to that. true. You can't. You can't. It would be ball. Yeah, yeah. And secondly, that was kind of a college fraternity thing. But yes. And you did. I did a lot. Your junk that's was everywhere. I, I claim to start it, but I know I didn't. I don't know I don't know who I learned it from. <laughs> I'm sure I didn't come up with me. I, I, I don't know where it started. But... Well, the, the older guys in the house would always be like, hey, I look, I sat in some gum. And you'd look down and they were pulling part of their scrotum out of their zipper. Yeah. And the point Street was... Street guys are so weird but, to me. But the point I is... I don't get it. The point is made you look, you know, like, oh, you just look at my yeah, shit. Yeah, like you looked at my balls. It's like, haha, tricks Wait, you no, do no, blowing no, 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 no. me. In my story's case, it was ball sack. Okay. Is that a defense so, yes. of the ball? Or, okay. So at some point, we started doing what we call dick tricks. Um, and there were several of them. Fruit basket, fly's eyes, Statue of Liberty. There was a handful. We, the we hamburger. talked about... Oh, the hamburger was my favorite. <laughs> oh, okay. What's, tell me about hamburger. So the hamburger is you wrap your cock around your scrotum and put each nut on both sides and squeeze it and the nuts are the burger and the meat is the dick. Jesus Christ. Do you get it? I do. But Jesus Christ. Okay. So given someone who was so, I'm going to call it active with their balls, <laughs> is that a good way to describe you? So prolif ballistically prolific? Sure. Okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. Ballistically <laughs> prolific. I love you know, it. just balls out, literally. Yeah. Yeah. So, I feel like, so how does it feel now to have one of them? Devastating. 
Is it? Wait, really? No. Oh, okay. I, <laughs> I'll take my life over my nut anytime. Like, I like I would think testicular cancer would be terrible for anyone. For some reason, I'm imagining like you, someone who made shapes with your balls and penis, like especially hard to be like. Do you feel handicapped? No, like, no. Can you like that? Because when I got my diagnosis, I was 30. Tell us what it felt like when you first got your cancer diagnosis. Okay, so this is a little story. One day, I I had just been married, um, and we were planning on having kids. And this wasn't in my head at the time, but one day I kind of felt some pain in my left nut. Not bad. One out of ten. Kind of like if you ever got kicked in the junk, but like ten minutes later, like everything's kind of calmed down in your belly, but you just have this kind of achiness in your nut. <laughs> and so the next time I took a shower, I just kind of felt around and I felt like three little pea-sized bumps on it. That's really big. Yeah. So I went to my primary care. Can we... Yeah. How did you miss that until then? Like, do you not like fondle your I, own I, balls enough? I, to... I pay attention to the 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 meat and not so much the bean. <laughs> more more of a Frank's guy. I'm more of a Frank's guy than a beans guy. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So, and I don't know how long they had been there. I mean, when the pain started, that might have been right when they when they showed up. I don't know how quickly they grow huh. per se. So I went to my primary care. They looked at it. They didn't really know what it was. They thought, thought it might have been something else. They gave me some antibiotics for that. They thought it might have been like an STD thing, which I hadn't been active other than my future wife. So we went to the antibiotics. It didn't get better. And through my connections in the medical field, I got into someone pretty quickly. And they did an ultrasound, found the, the nodules. And within a week, I, I was told basically first step is to get rid of the testicle because it can spread. And then we go from there and try to figure out staging. Is it in your lymph nodes? Is it spread throughout your body? Is there, is there issues with that? So wait, you went from a primary care person straight to an oncologist? I went from a primary care person straight to a urologist. Okay. Because they're the ones who take out the testicle. Uh-huh. And then I had some choices to make. How, how quickly from when you kind of were told what was going on until, like, they removed your ball? Like, how... how... What, from the, from the ultrasound, which is when it was actually diagnosed with mm-hmm. the ultrasound, to when I had my testicle removed was within two weeks. But huh. I worked at UW at the time, and I tried to get an appointment on my own through Swedish. Because you, when you work in a hospital, you don't want your business out there for everyone to see. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to go through UW. And for me to get an appointment at Swedish, it was going to be like five weeks. And I said, fuck that. <laughs> I'm not going to wait five weeks. This is cancerous, or at least potentially is. And so... I made a call to one of the docs that I work with and said, do you know anyone in the urology department? They said yes, and I got in to see a urologist within about two days at UW, and I had it all done at UW. So that sounds like, I mean, something I hear time and time again is like people taking ownership of their own medical, you know, like it's like you can't rely on hospitals and doctors to take care of you. You have to take control of it. It seems like that's what you did. Do you? I, I think to a point... I. I I don't want to say you can't rely on hospitals and doctors to take care of you because they can't. Because you work in a hospital. Yeah, because I am one of those people who are potentially taking care of you. If you just took the five weeks thing, you would have hung out. My advice is, and and probably would have been okay, Mm -hmm. but I had the knowledge I had and I wasn't going to wait around. And I think when it comes to medicine, you need to treat it like any other service organization, whether it be a hotel or, or car salesman or anyone else. If someone's telling you don't like, go to another person. Hmm. 
it's your body, it's your choice. You don't have to take what someone tells you and say, okay, and walk away. That's why we have second opinions. That's- Which I think is so important because I think so many people, like like me, if a doctor tells it to me, it is gospel. If, you know, it, it's different than, uh, you know, you're comparing it to like, ah, uh, like the person that works at the hotel or a do- yeah. like a car salesman. Like, I just assume that anyone that works in a hospital knows exactly what they're talking about. I should do exactly what they're saying. And, but you're kind of saying like, you know yourself best. Yeah, you do. And it's, you also got to realize that doctors are humans. Hmm? But I think the good doctors out there, the good providers out there will tell you if they don't, if it's not obvious, if it's not like, oh, you have this diagnosis, they'll say, look, these are the things that I need to rule out. And I've ruled these out. Now, these are what's left of possibilities. I think it's this one because of this, but it doesn't really fit in this mold. So we have to run these tests and figure this out. They'll talk you through the process to make you your own champion so you know what you're doing. Whereas, in my opinion, the the not-so-good doctors or providers are going to say, you have this, take two pills, we'll see you later. Hmm. Because that doesn't give you any education. That doesn't make you part of the discussion. That makes you just kind of a, here you go, get out of my office. For years, the doctor's job was to diagnose. And I think the paradigm shift now is you you used to be in the in the old days have to be confident and, and your confidence, whether or not you really knew what the shit you're talking about, doesn't matter. <laughs> you're gonna tell them that's what they got. Mm-hmm. Now you need to be confident in the sense that I think education is the key. You you want to empower the patient, you want them there's so much information out there, they get information everywhere. The point is here's what you got, or here's what I think you have, but you don't fit this mold, but these are what I'm thinking of, and this is what we're going to do to figure this out. And I'm going to bring you in as part of the process, and we'll move forward. It seems like um, if you have a male doctor, you assume that directness, confidence, is uh, means they know what they're talking about. I'm imagining like a CEO versus like if you see a male who is not 100% sure in what they're saying because yeah. they can't know – it almost, it's to me speaking to some of these assumptions we have at what men should and should not be doing as authoritative figures, which I did not think of until you and just I, said that. And I didn't think of it until you just said it. But back to my balls. But back, back to your, your balls. Back to your ball. Question. Yes. Um, this is a little heavy. and I'm down. Let's do it. I, I think that everybody is morbidly interested in exactly what exactly word for word what comes out of the doctor's mouth when they tell you you have cancer well that's a tough one i don't, I don't know if i remember or is it just so traumatic that you're just no, like nothing that's, goes that's in the thing. there like, it's so what happened with me is i i went to the ultrasound so what happened first was the tech said huh that's odd. I need to go get my attending. That's never good. No. That's, is that ever good? No. And so then it was like 10 to 15 minutes where I'm sitting there. Literally, you can imagine the little blue drape with a little hole in it and my one nut sticking out of it. And I'm laying there like... For 10 or 15 yeah. minutes? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus. That's scary. Like well, I'm in a room by myself. It's not like uh, I'm no, out, no, like, no, out but the lobby. But. When, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if someone's like, oh... I need to go get my attending and they leave you for 10 minutes the entire 10 minutes. Like, yeah. what's going through your I, head? I already like, knew what was going I, You know. Oh, geez. Well, I knew. I'm in the med. I knew. There's lumps. They're going. They're getting their attending. There's something wrong. What's going to happen down there? What's common in my age group? Testicular cancer. Okay, I got cancer. So what? I already knew. So you figured it out before oh, yeah. they even. Wow. Good job, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> so then the, the radiologist came in and he comes in and he says... These masses are very suggestive of testicular cancer. And he was very upfront. 
These are very successful for testicular cancer. You have three masses in your testicle. They're all back on the vas deferens, and you probably need to go see a urologist as soon as you can. And that's kind of how it was cut and dry. Hmm. When I got in with the urologist, he looked at it, looked at the films, and he said, the only way to know for sure is to get the biopsy, but this looks cancerous. We need to take, off, take out the testicle. The good news is there's nothing showing on the other testicle. Um, my concern, because I was, again, getting, I had just been married for the second time. That's another story for another day. Um, but we were planning on having kids. And so I was really worried about the kids thing. And so he had talked to me about, you know, sperm banking and he had talked to me about, we need the surgery and we need to do it now. And then I would have a choice of the traditional American method, which was they would do what they call a retroperitoneal lymph node dissection, which is basically they cut you from sternum to pubic symphysis, which is crotch. Pull out your guts, set them on the table, literally, and then get the lymph nodes in the back by your kidneys and see if there's any cancer in them. That's option one. Or option two is the European method, which is cycles of chemotherapy. And the benefit of the the big surgery would be you'd know. You'd know if it was in your lymph nodes. You'd know if it was in your body. You'd have diagnostic evidence of it. Versus the chemo side, you'd never know if you had cancer that spread or not. But the hope was the chemo would take care of it. Which I, I, think, I, I chose chemo. But. I think in, in all contexts, Kyle prefers the European method. <laughs> and I chose it for you. So uh, I, I don't know if this is the time to bring this up or not, but after you had your orchiotomy? Yep, that's correct. Um, or, or, or orchiectomy. Orchiectomy. Yeah. You chose not to get a fake ball. Nice! I was going to talk about this. Oh yeah, go get yeah. Why why not? So so here's, like, here's like the you conversation. You go you, you go through this dramatic. You need to have your testicle removed. Now remember, for all you ladies out there, <laughs> testicles like manhood. That's like what makes you a man more and than your dick. Well, it's at least a good component of it. Yeah. All right. No, there's so much about balls that make like oh he has the balls to yeah. like whatever um, uh, like balls are manhood like yes. balls are huevos it's like you can't get kicked to them or like it's what you have that makes you powerful it's, it's testosterone it's, it's testosterone and like medically yeah so medically. so to me and mike would probably disagree but to me manhood is balls not penis so anyways i just got this cancer diagnosis i'm talking to the surgeon still and he's telling me i have to have this orchiectomy which is removal of a testicle the other one's fine and then he says do you want an implant and it took me aback a little bit because I'm processing all this. I have cancer. I have to have surgery. I'm going to lose half of my manhood. It's, like it's when you find out that you have Sur- to have a ball removed, that they're like, "Do you want an implant?" Well, like, surgery is two days later. Two days. How do you? I oh, mean, it's geez. like you got to make a decision. That's that's quick to like. Yeah. yeah. So they kind of say, "This is what it is. Do you want?" It's basically a hard plastic ball, but it's oval shaped. That they stick in there and they match to the other side. And, and so it's just uniform. And I decided not to. And the reason is I, again, newly married. My wife knew what I was going through. It was not like I was on the market. I think if I was single, I probably would have done it. Hmm. Um, but I, I didn't. So I, I'm one ball, no, no implant. So let's, let's talk about sizing also, because I was under the impression, maybe I'm super wrong about this, but I thought that when you lose a ball, like the other one gets bigger. It can. Yes. To yours. Slightly, I mean, so not you, like, hugely noticeable, but yes. It's but not, you can tell that your other, like your bigger. remaining ball, is bigger yeah. than before. Why? Do you know why? Do you um, know why it gets bigger? Because it hypertrophies, which is a big fancy term for it 
has to do more, basically. It has to, like, get more, more sperm. More testosterone, it builds more sperm to get your counts up. It, it compensates. This is a really weird question. Okay, I'm down. I don't know do you more. come as much as you used to? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but the, you have to understand the majority of seminal <laughs> fluid is from prostate and other things. It's not actual semen. I didn't know that. So on sure. the physical side, thing, no, nothing changes. So orgasms feel the same. <laughs> the load looks the same as an amount. Um, Prove it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Don't think I won't. Um, <laughs> but I have low, I have low counts. And I have weird shape, which is the whole part of this conversation because this is cancer affects that and wait so, so like the amount of sperm it. is the same but like the wiggly guys in it is less the amount of sperm and the wiggly guys in are the same as it was before surgery which was both of them were fucked up anyway oh because you already had cancer in your balls Issues. so like it yeah. was all it wasn't that so my counts were already it. low and my sperm oh. were weird shaped and they swam like in circles rather than straight ahead yeah your, your wigglies were like drunk drivers yes oh by the way where do you think the incision was for surgery? You might know the answer to this, Mike, so you I, need to be quiet. I just assumed it was in your ball sack. No. It's in your neck. In your neck? I'm joking. Oh, I was like, you how did they get is there? It, is it laparoscopic? Sort of. It's in the crease of your leg. That's huh. where you're... In your dick holster? It's where, you're, it's where your inguinal canal Your cum gutter? <laughs> so remember, well, you may not know this, but when you're born, your your testes are up. And then as as you get to a few months old, they, they drop. Uh-huh. They drop through the inguinal canal. <laughs> There's a canal that's in the crease of, of your, what's this, your leg, your hip? Your hip, yeah. Yeah. What's this? You're the fucking doctor. Well, I, I want to put this in lamest terms. I can sit here and talk inguinal canals all day and the listeners will be yeah. like, what the fuck is this guy saying? So it's where hernias commonly happen. And so they actually, my incision's right here. Yeah. And they so it up and out. Because people can't see it. It's like the place I get to right before I get to your penis when I'm blowing you. It's like the place I'm licking before I lick Wait. your act, the tip of your dick. You're blowing me and licking my no, dick? Well, not you specifically. Well, you said you. Well, I mean, I don't well, know. Fuck we, it can, we can, if that's I'll part of it, we can do that <laughs> later. But I'm just saying. Do you want to see my scar? I'm Ooh. a little bit bushy right now, but I'll show you my scar. You're uncomfortable about this. I am. That's okay. You're not going to see anything. You're not going to see anything other than my scar, which I'm bushy, is right there. Oh, I can barely see. No, it's barely. But that's it. See, it's kind of dark. Do I need to do a disclaimer here? I'm straight with three kids, and the two guys I'm talking to are both gay. They know that. Okay. That's what I want to make sure. When you. So, when. Before uh, you came here, Mike and I were talking about, you know, before. He came out to you versus after. Oh, yeah. This is a good talk. Did it feel different to you? Like, did you... So you showed him your balls and, like, you did all this stuff. Like, did you look back after he came out to you and be like... No. You never thought about, like, oh, that's weird. Like, maybe he was into it or... No. Really? I can't explain it, but no. Oh. To me, this is common sense, but I think the most treatment is not. Mm -hmm. And and you've touched on this in, in your previous shows also. It's not... Just because uh, there's a gay man in the room doesn't mean if you're straight, you're going to get fucked in the ass. <laughs> Mike and I go way back. Yeah. We're like brothers. Yeah. It's not like that. So it, it was never a concern. When he came out to me, it was on the way back from a camping trip. And it was unexpected. Look. You, look, didn't, you didn't have suspicions? No, he zero. Was, oh, zero. Zero. Mike 
So when he came out to I'm you... Gonna, I'm going to sound like a dick here. Let's do it. Mike Mike is into sci-fi and Dungeons and & Dragons and <laughs> music. And so my thought was, Mike's kind of a dork. He's a cool guy. I love him to death. He's kind of a dork. He's not real lucky with the ladies. To me, it was just Mike. Obviously, he's not getting ladies because of all the things he's interested yes. in. Yeah, all right. I can understand his trepidation in telling me because my background is very conservative Though I, at that point in my life, I wasn't. I had gone through PA school. One of my best friends from PA school was George, who was openly gay. And we went to the Eagle, and I sat in the sex swing and hung out. And, like, you sat in a sex swing? (laughs) (laughs) What, Eagle? Yeah, I was the Eagle. He and me and uh, three or four girls, he's like, well, let's go to this bar. Not knowing where we're going, we went to the Eagle. Now, I walk in, and the first thing I see on is a big screen with, like, gay porn. Dicks, dicks, (laughs) dicks, dicks, dicks. And George saying... Don't go in the stalls in the bathroom. <laughs> if you need a PP, but don't go in the stalls in the bathroom. I said, okay, that's fine. We go upstairs. I'm pretty fucking hammered at this time. And there was nowhere to sit. But there was a sex swing, so I sat in it. And of course, I gained attention, which I was loving. <laughs> and I sat there. I was the life of the party upstairs and BS the whole time. And for that point forward, I was cool. Like in George's world, I was cool. There was nowhere else to sit. So I sat in the sex swing. Like, that that sentence just, like... <laughs> it was there. <laughs> I can't imagine... Comfy. <laughs> There's no other to sit. So I just sat on the sex swing. That was an... Oh, wait. I don't even know if that it's exists. because I got lots of attention after that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, just, I don't understand. Well, truthfully... We were your scrubs. No, but George... George was cute, because George was like... That was the gayest thing I did all week. Yeah, I called how, George cute. How out cute. loud. <laughs> yep. Out loud. I just said yep. that. Soup's, Anyways. Soup's gay. George came up to me and he was like protective of me. So he was like Aww. my protector. So I was sitting there and all these guys were talking to me and hitting on me because I, he told me later, this is not from a straight guy perspective. This was from George's perspective. He said, when a straight man comes into a place like that and it's cool, then everyone wants to quote, convert him, which I, we all don't believe in conversion. But the point is they want to see if they can take you home. I don't believe in gay to straight conversion, but I believe in the other way around. (laughs) And I believe I am the one (laughs) to make that change. So you had cancer. (laughs) So I had cancer. So I know you were dating someone, but did you ever feel... Yo, you were married. I was was just married. Newly married. Newly married. Did you ever feel self-conscious about having one ball? Or can you, like, think about what it might be like if you were dating with one ball? To answer your first question, no, because she went through the process with me. I had nothing to be self-conscious of. That wasn't an issue. I don't think... I've been married twice and I had girlfriends in the past. I don't think women take as much stock into balls as maybe men do. Hmm. So like in a, in a male-female relationship, I don't think they really give a shit about the balls too much. It'd be nicer if they did, but I don't think <laughs> they do. Whereas a male-male relationship, I think it, it, make, it means more. So for you at least... No. You can't imagine being self-conscious or... No. But I would say that if for some reason I got cancer and the other testicle and I had to get both of them gone, I think I would be very self-conscious and I would get the implant at that point. Uh, It it seems like zero versus one is a really big deal and one versus two is less of a deal. For me, if I'm going to go that step, then I'm going to go back to normal. So like going from two to one, I'm not going to go that step. I don't really care. But if I go from one to zero... And I'm, I'm going to do that implant. To me, I would just get them both. It's kind of like... Two balls isn't normal. It's just common. 
Sorry. Just like being gay. Straight isn't normal. It's just common. Go ahead. Sorry. I was not single with one ball. Hmm. I imagined if I was, I think I would use it to my advantage. I wouldn't. If I was doing... Um, <gasps> Tell us about that. How would you use it to well, your again, advantage? So there was a boy at my high school who, in a football injury, lost a testicle. He was like a sophomore. So like, what does that mean? 14, 15 years old. He got so much ass until he graduated, at least. And then probably beyond that, who knows? Because he told girls, we can bang. I only have one ball. I can't get you pregnant. That's obviously true with three kids. <laughs> <laughs> when my wife and I did get pregnant with our first kid, my brother's Nat wife. Natural. Na natural. Right. Four months after chemo stopped. My sister-in-law, so my brother's wife, basically said that's a miracle, and it made me pissed. Like, I, I've i since apologized, but I like got in her face and said, this is not a fucking miracle. It's how things are. Just got cancer doesn't mean I can't have kids. Mm. Like, angry about it. Yeah. Because I, as a cancer survivor, which I even hate that term, I wanted to be normal. Mm. For me, and... I, there's no science behind this. I'm a very scientific person. But for me, my mental, where I was mentally made the difference. And so for me, there's a treatable cancer. It's a winnable cancer. I'm going to beat it. It doesn't have a chance, so it doesn't fucking matter. And it's not going to affect my life. And when someone says, oh, it's a miracle baby, that pissed me off. So we talked about how you had three children naturally, but we didn't talk about. In between there. Yeah, right? before like, that. Like you, you like like jacked off a lot. I had I had two children naturally and one with help. Oh, okay. What goes through your mind and what did you do before you actually had a child? So, we're going to get serious again. My wife, McGee, and I got married in April of 2010. My diagnosis was in November of 2010. We were trying to have a kid because we were at, at advanced parental age yeah. for, for females having kids. We wanted to have at least two to three kids. We needed to get the process started. So what had happened was... We Get were, to banging. Yes, we got to banging. <laughs> and she conceived. And she conceived in August or September. Or at least that's when she missed her first period and we took the test and she was pregnant. Please don't say period on this show. <laughs> Did I say period? No, I'm kidding. It's fine. I'm, I'm kidding. What's period? <laughs> okay, so you were fucking your wife. True. <laughs> <laughs> and she got pregnant. She got pregnant. And then I got a cancer diagnosis. And then, oh, she got she was pregnant before correct. you got your diagnosis. Oh, interesting. Correct, like okay. two months before. Wow. And then, side note: the hardest part of the cancer wasn't the cancer. She miscarried after I started chemo. Oh, wow. When you start chemo, it kills all quickly reproducing cells, including hair, including sperm. So, if my weird sperm, which we've already talked <laughs> about, wasn't going to work in the future, which was a possibility after chemo, we just had a miscarriage. We were kind of like hosed. I can't even imagine the feeling of any miscarriage, must, much less one after you are concerned about your ability to yeah. get pregnant. That was anyway, by wow. far the worst part of the whole situation. Wow. The cancer, I did not break down in tears when I told my parents I had cancer. I did break down in tears when I told my parents that McGee had miscarried. Wow. And we may never have kids again. So, let's go on to the sperm banking, because I'm getting way too serious here. <laughs> so, there was two days between when I had my diagnosis from the urologist and when the testicles were removed. That one day in between, yep. I was jacking off in some random 
room in the UW Medical Center. Great. That was this. That was my... not a random room. I think that'll get you arrested. <laughs> Hope, hopefully, you went to the right room. But it felt like it. That was the. <laughs> that was the thing about the sperm bank. Well, that wasn't the sperm bank. That was like UW. We need a sample, and we're going to hold it for you. After we had our first child, we were going for our second child, and our second child, we went to our fertility clinic because, again, my wife at that point was now thirty-five, which is that magical age, and we wanted to get pregnant soon because we wanted at least two. We went to a fertility clinic. And maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm unusual, and that's okay. I'm cool with that. You are. But there's this weird excitement about going to this place that's unusual, that's not your house, that's not expected, and you're allowed to jerk off in it. No, I get. I actually, I actually get that. So, and actually, I wonder if they like play off that at all to like. I mean, like their goal is production. To, well, I mean, their goal is to get you to jizz quickly, like right, like if if they're a business Whoa, and they're but, in and out. But that's the point. So you're going in there to to come. I mean, the, yeah, the whole point is going the there goal. to come. Yeah. That's the goal. So you think to yourself, this front desk girl, her job is to send dudes back here to come mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. What's the appropriate amount of time here? I know this is going to take me, if, if I'm into this, if I'm like into it, it's going to take me like three to five minutes. If I'm like, I know, I know my spots. It's going to be like three to five minutes. So I wait 10 minutes and they're starting in like 15 minutes. Is that an appropriate time? Like, that's you interesting. Have this like, whole mind thing of what's the appropriate amount of time to, to like to make yourself, yeah, yeah, to masturbate. What's the polite yeah, amount of time? Yeah, what's the polite yeah. amount of time to masturbate? You don't want to be that guy that's in like 30 seconds, like, woo, that was fantastic. And you don't want to be that guy that's like a, an hour later, like holding up the line. So it's like, what's the appropriate time here? Do you want to hear a, a random trivia thing yeah. about testicular cancer? It makes your HCG hormone level go up, which is the indicator in, in a pregnancy test. So in other words, if I pissed on a stick, it would be positive when I had hmm. ca- testicular cancer. What? Yeah. So are you saying men could take pregnancy tests to know if they have cancer? I wouldn't advise that. If you had a concern, go to a doctor and get checked. But <laughs> to our to our listeners in Alabama. Yes. Go see a doctor. Remember, there's two types. There's seminoma and carcinoma. On the carcinoma side of things, it's going to raise your HCG. So as long as you have part of that in there, you will have a positive pregnancy test if you piss on a stick. Hmm. But if you were the unlucky few to have 100% seminoma then you would be negative and you would ignore it. Uh, but you may still have cancer. But you may still have cancer. Gotcha. I didn't know there were different types of... What are the, di- like, what are the different types of cancer mean? It, it's, a, it's a cellular difference. You have to look at a microscope. It doesn't really matter. Just know that the carcinoma is the more aggressive type and seminoma is the less aggressive. I, had, I personally had 70% carcinoma, 30% seminoma. So I, had, I had actually had a more... I had a mix, with, which was a more aggressive form. Okay, so what are the misconceptions, misconceptions about misconceptions? I think the number one thing is cancer, regardless of where it is, is a problem for old people. Mm. Testicular cancer is the disease of young men. It how, happens. How old were you when you got? I was diagnosis? thirty. Thirty. The average is thirty-three, wow. and they typically say it's anywhere between eighteen and forty-five. It's extraordinarily rare after forty-five to get testicular cancer. Hmm. So. For you young men out there, it's always good to check. And what what does check mean? Yeah. You have to feel your testicles. See if it's, it should be kind of a waxy feel, round, not round, oval, 
oval ball. Like a football? No. More like a rugby ball. More like a rugby ball. More round at the end. But it should be smooth. The point this is, doesn't it should be... help most of our listeners. I just found my straightest thing this week. <laughs> this You're moment. welcome. This moment. Uh, but it should be smooth. If you feel bumpiness or nodules, you should get checked out. Is there more? Should we take a break? Let's take a break. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll do the gayest and straightest, and 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 I'll have a... and we'll kick Dan in one of his balls and see how it feels. We'll be back. We'll be back. We're back. We're back. <laughs> We're back. Um, do you ever wish for a second that the listeners could hear what happens on the break? No, I don't want them I, to know anything. I need to go to an ATM. I need to get some money. You sh- don't go to an ATM unless you know it's clean. <laughs> it's important. Okay, so yeah. we're going to do our... Ew. We're going to do our straightest and gayest thing. No, we are not. No. Before we do that, our site is gayishpodcast.com. We are on iTunes and fucking rate us, bitches. We are switching good cop, bad cop. Fucking do it and I will hate you. I'm not good at being the bad cop. Yeah, now, what, what Kyle is saying is he would really appreciate it if you would please rate us when you subscribe. Whether it's when you subscribe or later because you want to support us. Motherfuckers. You need to rate the show. Not necessarily rate their profile pictures. I just want to no, 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 no. Uh, Definitely rate our profile pictures. Speaking of which. Oh. Sorry to interrupt your No, go shit. for it. Mike, uh-huh. you look like professional. Like, it's a, it's a shot of you just in front of the microphone. You have like a fucking headshot. On my Facebook know. profile? Yeah. Or the no, website? No, no, no. The website. The, Aren't the, I drinking two drinks? He's like. He's I'm, in a bathtub. I'm part of this podcast with a microphone. And you're like. Here's my headshot. Drinks, boys. Come on over. That's our, that's my shtick. That's okay. the desired effect. Okay. Come on cool. over, boys. <laughs> so, subscribe to us on iTunes and the Google Play Store. And when you do, rate us. Bitches. Uh, we're also on Twitter, at Gayish Podcast. And we have a Facebook group. It's facebook.com slash groups slash Gayish Podcast and... I'm super excited. A couple of people have recently asked to join the group, oh, and man. it's like the happiest feeling I've ever had to approve them when that oh. happens. Dan, read that last bullet point. <laughs> we want to hear from you. Email us at gayishpodcast at gmail.com. Gay- uh, gayest or straightest? Uh, my dad visited me. He lives in Houston. Uh, he came up to visit me. It was awesome. The straightest thing about me is when we sat in a theater, he left the straight man one seat between us in the theater. He did not do that. <laughs> he, he left a seat between us, which is what straight, straight dudes do to show that they're not gay when they sit next to another dude in Even the theater. Even if it's his son? That felt so straight. It was like, yeah, it was like a weird... Because I sat down first and then he was like, oh, one over. And like, I, I'm not going to like then move over towards him so like that brings up urinating in a urinal oh no no that's very different and straight you try to leave space oh yeah if you can't then you just go yeah if you're gay you still do that so like no 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 if you're gay so if if kyle and i go to a bathroom a public bathroom that never happens. Like, if you're gay and you're with your friends, if somebody goes to the bathroom, no one else goes to the bathroom. You wait. Mm-hmm. Really? You, you mm-hmm. like, strategically figure out whose Why? turn it is. Why? 
because of exactly I think the weirdness that you're putting like you're 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 sensing you're trying to figure out it's that instead of like don't look at my dick or don't see my dick or I don't want to be seen peeing or like how close is too close what's too intimate you just avoid all oh, of that gotcha. straight it's posturing bullshit like said, by it, just like not if you having leave it happen. one empty urinal then you don't see anything unless there's no there's, partitions which happens sometimes well, at gay bars there's just like a trough, a trough. but right, so you have to all, like at any given trough there's always a bear peeing there like i guarantee <laughs> there is a bear peeing and you will wait as 30 minutes and he is still peeing like you can't well, avoid why that. what if you go belly up to the trough next and be like what up dude the bear's gonna be like nice dick and piss next to him. I like that, honey. So the gayest thing about me. <laughs> also, when I was on vacation with my dad, we went ziplining and we're in this small town. And uh, this like kind of older dude is taking us there. And anytime an older dude in a small town, he started talking about girls and dating. And it just brought up this gay anxiety in me of like, oh my God, is he going to ask me if I'm dating anyone? Am I going to like... And if he does, am I going to tell him I'm gay or am I not going to bring it up? And it like, I just realized at the moment, like straight people don't have this moment of like, oh God. I, I think you have the stereotype about gay and straight. And I think you have a stereotype that straight men can't tell that you're gay. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of straight men probably could. I actually think I get a mixture of some men, some people know that I'm know that i'm gay and like other people have no idea at all so like i i get such a range of things and that's part of this weird identity confusion like whatever that you know i don't know where i fit and i think in a lot of contexts like uh especially rural or conservative places people assume that you're straight until you're proven gay it's like and the fact that you live in a place, Dan, where they're like gay people exist, maybe makes you more sensitive to the possibility. I think you're much gayer than Mike is, Thanks. as in stereotype, like <laughs> oh, okay. what, what I would expect. What makes you say that? Is this going to be turned on for you? Let's find out. Some of the words you say, okay, like rosé. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Keep going. What? <laughs> but there are some like. Keywords that are like clues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today is a bad example because you're wearing pink bright shorts. ass pink shorts. Yep. Neither of you, I would say, are overtly gay. Yeah. Like, I don't walk up to you and say, oh, that's a gay man. Mm-hmm. I think there are people out there who look, talk, or dress as in, ooh, that's a gay man. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you or either, either of you are that person. Which I think, like, actually a lot more gay men than people realize are like that. And it's just people don't see them because they, if you just look at them, you're like, oh, that's a dude. But like, you only like process or recognize the super gay ones. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mike, what are I, what what are your straightest gayest things? So I'm going to start with the straightest. The straightest thing this week for me was, uh, of course, I'm 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 starting the process of a divorce, and and uh, a bunch of people came over and helped me clean the place like we went through and we did we smudged the perimeter and threw water in the corners and 
Smudge is like a. Like, I want you to define smudge yeah. as a pronoun because that sounds like a sexual act. No, it's smudge. <laughs> <laughs> no, a smudge. Smudge is like uh, you know you take sage or some other fragrant thing and 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 uh, you burn it and then the smoke. Do you believe in that shit? It's interesting you ask. I don't, and I, yet I still found it cathartic. Like just going through the process, there was a psychological benefit there. So there was this herd of people that was over here, and and we 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 took stuff down off the walls and and clean things and things that belonged to my soon to be ex husband. They moved into the bedroom. Uh, to get it out of the living space. But uh, the the strangest thing about me, they kept asking all of these decorating questions. Like, where <laughs> do you want this thing? Like, what should this look like? And I was just like, I don't know. I want to drink this beer. Yeah. Stop asking me questions. Because <laughs> I did not get the interior decorating gene. Okay, Mike, what's the gayest thing? The guy that sits behind me uh, at work and the guy that sits kitty corner from me both got haircuts the same weekend. And so when I when I came into work yesterday and we were chit-chatting about how was your weekend, and I, I, I said to one of them, oh, I like your hair. It looks great. The other one I said, oh, you cut your hair off. It looks great. And then he, <laughs> one of them asked me, Whose hair is better? And that's not the gayest thing. The gayest thing was my reaction because I put both of my hands up to my mouth like, oh my God. <gasps> you can't ask me that. And I got all chased about I, it. Like, like when like when you said that, I had an audible gasp. Like I was like, oh no, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the guy that sits behind me is the answer. Sorry, Joe. So Dan... What's your straightest thing? So today I was in surgery for hand surgery and we got done at like one. So early. My kid took a nap at two. Okay. At least my one and three year old do. And I didn't want to show up at home at two because that riles them up and mm. they won't take another nap. So I had a choice of, I could do anything in the world I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And here's my gayest thing I did. <laughs> I could have went to a strip club. I could have went to a Home Depot. I could have went to a bowling alley. But no. I went to Norsham Rack. Yes. <laughs> yes. What did you do there? I shopped. Yes. <laughs> did you get anything? So the straightest thing I did was <laughs> I bought nothing. Um. I, went the whole, I, literally, I legitimately went to the whole place and did not find a single thing I wanted and oh. walked out of there. Oh, nothing. Uh -huh. I love that. I love it. I think it's great. It's a fantastic <laughs> answer. <laughs> uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. We really, really appreciate, appreciate you talking about the Anytime. very personal ball experience. Yeah, thanks for talking about your ball, Dan. Anytime. Anytime? Anytime. Okay. So <laughs> so that's it. That's it. This has been Gash. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. Bye. See you later. Bye. Do you want to see it? <laughs>